0: Welcome to Along the Forest Apps Road, discussing this week, wedging our way, a little bit of background on wedges and what's the proper way and how to use them. Hi, I'm Tim Ard. And wedging our way, a little discussion here that I wanted to pass along to you. You know, how often we say, get the rope, Uh, this to overcome a back-leaning tree situation. I don't disagree with using rope, and please don't get me wrong. I use rope many times in falling, felling plans. But I have watched people before pulling on a rope with no concept of the mechanics, the resistance, the limitations, and risk taking place. I simply think pulling a rope is the technique tool selected because it works sometimes, and it's the way we have always done it. And what more do we need to discuss? Well, it's a done deal. Well, now let's discuss the possibly wedging our way out of those situations. Sometimes I think wedges are a little bit confusing to people. They think about splitting wood. Well, wedges can be used in many felling plans to replace the rope and can be used in conjunction with rope to increase results and to support safety. Some wedge thoughts are a wedge can be used to lift a tree's back lean into the desired position direction. A wedge can support and stabilize a tree's weight during a back cut. And a wedge can be used not only in falling trees, but in bucking and limbing. There are several different types of of wedges that have been manufactured over the years. And uh, there are felling wedges, there's bucking wedges, and then there's splitting wedges for like firewood. Many wedge designs and materials are also offered. You've got dried hardwood wedges. You have plastic or polymer wedges, you have plastic with filler like fiberglass or other reinforcement fibers, and you have reinforced plastic with steel head surfaces. You also have aluminum and hardened steel. Falling wedges are, they demand a tough wedge material of softer design that will not damage a saw chain should it come into contact. But wooden wedges can be used if they are manufactured and dried correctly of a quality wood fiber. Hickory is often used for wooden wedges. Plastic with fillers do the best for most applications. These wedges are found in lengths of 6, 8, 10, 12, 15, 20, and sometimes even longer. Felling wedges are generally of a slow taper design. If the taper is too fast, it'll create resistance to the lift. Thin, slow tapers lift with less hammer assistance. Felling wedges can be found with several taper designs also. There's a single taper. One side of the wedge is actually flat, and the lift side is sporting the taper. Then there's double tapers. Both sides of the wedge have a starting and lifting taper. And then triple taper, these wedges start with the similar to the single taper, but about halfway into the taper, it steps up the degree of taper. And this works great for smaller trees for a quicker lift and on heavier, larger trees, it lifts slowly to get this action started, and then a quicker lift takes over. The triple taper wedge is not one generally used for stacking techniques, however. I have used wedges sold by different companies for years, and for many years I've grown very fond of the Oregon wedges. I've used the smaller wedges in the Oregon line because I like the serrations on wedging for both smaller trees and bucking situations. The diamond shaped, however, on serrations helps to hold the wedge in the kerf, but on larger trees or heavy lifting, I have found the serrations to be something that can cause resistance in the wedging process. So I usually take and file them off if I'm working on real heavy hardwoods. Uh, It doesn't cause a lot of issue on softer fibers, but hardwood fibers and real heavy trees, it does seem to cause some resistance. But I've used 12-inch wedges for most of my work felling and bucking, no matter the three size. And the 8-inch I prefer if working bucking a lot of firewood. When stacking wedges and in training sessions uh, over the years, we found that uh, there's several different ways to be able to keep wedges in the kerf during the driving process. But when at a training session in Indiana years ago with Soren Erickson, we encountered a wedge stacking technique I use now consistently. One of the class participants started to lift a tree with two wedges side by side. As the kerf was opened, he took one wedge out and placed a third wedge in the system, stacking it at 90 degrees to the other and placing it in the wider kerf. The resistance was less, and the stack of the wedges now lifted the tree quickly on over. This was on a 110-foot-tall poplar tree of approximately 48-inch DBH with probably 7 feet of back lean. He used two of those wedge stacks and took the tree over on target. The technique just simply works. The stack wedges, you must have at least three wedges. The first step is to determine how many segments are in the tree. You're probably saying, I don't understand this segment thing. Well, imagine a segment as a square with its sides equal to your tree base from the hinge to the wedge point at the rear of the tree. If the tree has, say, 70 segments in it, imagine 70 squares stacked on top of each other lying parallel to a line running up the middle of the tree trunk if you were to back cut the tree properly and insert a one inch thick wedge at the furthest back point on the tree stump to support the tree you now want to know how far forward direction opposite of the trees lean you can move the center point of the tree's weight against its back lean using this wedge remember For the tree to fall in the direction opposite of its lean, you have to move the weighted center of the tree past the pivot point, an imaginary line running vertical above the front line of the hinge. If you were to drive the wedge in until it's flush with the tree's trunk, you would lift the back corner of the first segment square one inch. Correspondingly, this would move the opposite corner one inch forward The direction you want the tree to fall but how many inches did the opposite corner of the second square segment move if you said two inches you're correct how many inches did the opposite corner of the 70th section move forward the direction of fall yes 70 inches therefore you know that in this example a one-inch wedge will lift or move the top of this 70-segment tree 70 inches in the opposite direction. If, in this example, is less than 70 inches, only one one one-inch wedge would be needed to lift the top of the tree past the center point, this allowing the tree to fall in the direction opposite of its lean. What did this tell us about the ability to wedge different sized trees of the same height? Smaller diameter trees will have more segments and therefore can be wedged further than a larger diameter tree of the same height. For example, a tree with a 6 inch base that is 70 feet tall would have 140 segments. A 70 foot tree with an 18 inch base would have 46 segments consequently a one inch wedge will move the top of the six inch tree 140 inches while the 18 inch trees top will move only 46 inches using the same wedge i have written wedge calculations in detail on my cross site instructions also you can find information in detail in our forest applications ebook now, in that calculation, there is some resistance, a resistance factor, I guess you'd say. And I received this message some, uh, from a very precise statement of wedging theory uh, in a message uh, back years ago. And uh, I'll just read this to you. It says, uh, concerning the segment of trees for wedge calculations, it occurs to me that this is a brilliant aid for the beginner or the pro the beginner on many trees and the pro on a few borderline trees. However, it doesn't factor in resistance limitations. At some point, even with dimensions being acceptable based on hinge to wedge leverage, etc., the weight of the tree leaning backwards may prevent any particular wedge or wedging technique from changing the lean of the tree, even though a wedge provides the height needed. Do you know of anyone that has put together a field calculation, rule of thumb, or chart on what can be lifted? I realize this is a daunting task with the variability of wet and dry wood, species, wedge type, wedge shape, wedge length, wedge combinations, distance from wedge to hinge, limb weight, and even wind. And you know, what he's asking is is and what he's stating is, is very true. There are quite a number of uh, variables when you start to look at wedging on different trees and that's where you know, your information that you've taken and the plant on that particular tree is, is so important. You have the, the same situations uh, with rope or with a machine. Uh, you know, there's, there's variables in all of those. I thank him for his question, and, and I guess, in answer, I, uh, I think there are a, a few variables, but very predictable ways to lift, even in the heaviest of trees. So I've got a few things here I wanted to outline for you. First of all is realize every tree is different, not because they are eastern or western, but because they're a tree. The size and weight is a variable on every tree. For years, it's followed that only experienced fallers should approach trees over two-foot diameter. Brushing definitions stop at a diameter over five inches. Statistics I've heard over the years is that many fatalities in logging professionals occur from struck-bys involving hung and falling trees less than eight inches in diameter. It doesn't take a big tree to cause life or property damage. Even from a production standpoint, small trees cost money to harvest. If you're not proficient with them, it's hard to, f- to survive out there. Second is take accurate information. If you miscalculate the lean amounts, it can mean failure. Even if you're good at lean discernment, one of the problems I encounter with trees everywhere is their ability to intertwine with another one limb touching in the top somewhere, often limbs will even graft and grow together, it'll keep even the best wedge or jack from lifting a tree. Third, the ability of the wedge to lift a selected tree is simply the size of the hammer. Yes, there is a limitation of resistance created by the length and taper of the wedge and the material which it's made. But if the wedge is capable of supporting the weight and the design factor, it will lift the heaviest tree if the hammer and hammer operator will apply enough weight to the wedge's head. Fourth, make sure you understand the term hinge is your friend. You see, many times tree falling techniques work against the ability of the hinge. Even hinges and unbendable hinges can create unplanned results. If the hinge is too thick, too wide, it has added resistance to the wedge lift of the tree. A hinge that is too wide will not bend. It simply resists the lifting action of the wedge and adds to the weight of the tree. I watch techniques of making a back cut in the tree, place a wedge, hammer and hammer, trying to lift the tree so more back cut can be continued to establish a hinge that'll bend. When, the hammer, when you hammer a wedge too much with too much hinge, often half a tree, the width in place, you simply create more resistance and even fiber compression in the support area of the wedge. This works negatively in your lift calculation. Fifth, the face notch can also be a factor in resistance. I hear sometimes that the open face technique is not accepted and perceived inaccurate because of what is really a problem with the back cut. The open face is the face notch pioneered by Soren Erickson he is the promoter or originator of the open face technique in north america and most of the world the open face technique concentrates on and takes advantage of a face notch that's 70 degrees or more in the notch opening it has nothing to do with the back cut other than with a 70 degree notch opening it enables the back cut to be leveled to the back corner of the notch instead of using a stump shot or back cut higher than the notch level. The hinge is intact throughout the tree fall and it limits the ability of the tree to butt rebound. If the opening of the notch is less than 70 degrees, a stump shot is absolutely necessary because the hinge will break before the tree is parallel or close to parallel to the ground. A 45 degree notch opening will break the hinge halfway to the ground on a straight tree, if it leans back even sooner. A notch understanding is critical to get a wedge to work. And finally, on a heavy back leaner, the notch and hinge placement deserves a point of its own. The further a notch is cut into a back leaner, the less leverage you have with the wedge. Your lift is increased in speed, but the pressure to lift the weight resistance is increased. The longer distance you have from the hinge to the wedge placed in the back of the tree, the more leverage against the tree weight and resistance you have for the lift. One of the most common mistakes in making a notch is a Dutchman or a bypass created in the corner of the notch this mismatch causes the notch to simply not work when the mismatch closes which may not be far in movement of the tree resistance is created that no wedge or even tree jack is going to overcome without breaking the hinge and causing loss of control so in in summary taking these six and probably we could discuss more there cannot be a rule of thumb on lift. No chart can be compiled that will answer all the many variables. The solution goes back to my answer to a common question I am asked just about weekly. The question is, how would you cut this tree I have? I always answer with, can a 600-pound bear climb a 3-inch pole? Think about it. You have to know first how strong the particular pole is and then the climbing ability of the bear. Now let's put together a chart on that one. You know, the tree height and the lift segments can be calculated very accurately, thus giving the the ability to plan the possibilities of wedge or tree jack lift It's mechanical. But the variables can only be assessed on the particular and unique tree. I can tell you from my experience cutting trees across the country, if my complete plan is intact and I perform the notch and back cuts correctly to my plan, establishing a workable hinge to take over the control, I will usually achieve the desired results with a few hits of a big, sufficient hammer. If you take a look on our YouTube channel, Along the Forest Apps Road, or just simply Ard Tim or Tim Ard, you'll be able to look at several videos that show some different wedging situations and so that's that's the first place to look to show a little bit Uh, another thing too from a standpoint of safety wedges of all types can split chip fly out and hurt you always wear safety glasses when using wedges and face protection is also a good plus to consider in wedging tasks If you hold a wedge in splitting applications, always use gloves to protect your hands. So that's something that, uh, you know, I do have also on the website under Tim's Tips, and uh, it it covers uh, quite a lot of wedging tips and outlines this particular article. So you might want to take a look at that. One last thing uh, I think to... uh, kind of show that wedging isn't a perfect thing as, as rope or machine is not either. In uh, 1995, I had the opportunity to work on uh, a segment, or a couple segments actually, of Victory Gardens. Russ Morash, the producer and uh, really kind of founder of Victory Gardens and This Old House, asked This Old House, i was asked to come up in roger swain at that time we put together a video on basic chainsaw safety and a little bit on felling there was a tree in mr morash's backyard that was kind of leaning towards a gazebo had been made on one of the segments norm abrams and he would like to get that tree down well I started off the cut and I placed the wedge in it. They wanted to re shoot that particular part, so they brought the camera in and I I tried to take the wedge and move it back and reinsert it, but I didn't put it straight. And when I hit it the wedge went into part of the hinge material and it wouldn't go any farther. Well for the video I needed to get that tree over and plus I didn't want it to hit that particular gazebo, and so I drove and drove make sure it was tight. Well, that corner of the wedge was peeling back, stuck on the fiber of the edge of the hinge. I've got that wedge sitting up on top of my desk. It's, it's peeled back about two inches there. But we ended up, I threw a line up in the tree and and we were able to get the tree down and the video was very successful. But it can happen to anybody. You have to make sure that the wedges are selected correctly, your information is good, the wedge has to be placed correctly. But I can tell you that wasn't the last time that I had situations with wedges and hard to get over trees. But as a rule, 99 percent of them that wedge will move it it goes where it needs to go and the the plan works so if you don't have any wedges it's hard to work in horizontal trees as well as felling trees so i challenge you to to get you some wedges and put together some plans and see how it works please subscribe to our along the forest apps road podcasts and youtube series you'll find that there's a lot of situations out there that we discuss with wedges and things go pretty well. So good sawing to all of you. Hope to see you along the forest apps road. Well, I hope you enjoyed this segment on wedging our way. If you enjoyed it, you picked up something, if you have any questions, let us know. You can uh, send any messages to info at forestapps.com on our website. We'll be glad to get you an answer back and uh, help to clear up any issues or questions you might have with that. Also, please uh, subscribe and our Along the Forest Apps Road podcasts, and also our YouTube channel, either Ard Tim, Tim Ard, and also on Instagram, Forest Applications Training. If you uh, please uh, enjoy those, look at them, or listen to them, and we hope you pick up something that will make your chainsaw operations more successful and safe. So this is Tim Ard, And I hope that we see you along the Forest Apps Road.